morning and welcome to worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. We are delighted to welcome you to this hour of worship. If this happens to be one of your first times visiting us, we are glad that you're here and we hope that you feel welcome. We extend a word of welcome to those who are live streaming and those who may be listening on WRR. We are glad that you are all a part of our worshiping community this morning. For those in the sanctuary, please know that we have a special gift for you in the atrium, which is through the north transept. At the uh, counter there, there is a gift from the church, which gives information about the life and ministry of our church and a small gift for you, uh, homemade by the church, just to say thank you for coming, and we look forward to coming to know you. In your pews on the outside uh, aisles, you will find friendship registries. We ask that you sign those, please, to let us know of your attendance. It's important for us to know that you're here and equally important for you to know who you are worshiping next to. So please note the names of those around you as you sign and return that uh, pad. In the pad, you will find worship uh, prayer cards, rather. You'll find prayer cards. If you have a prayer concern or a celebration in your life that you would like to share with the pastors and the deacons, uh, there's an opportunity for you to write your prayers and put the card in the offering plate later in the service. Likewise, there are connect cards in your pew racks if you have questions about the church that, or uh, a way that you would like to be involved in the life of the church. Let us know by completing one of those cards and placing it in the offering plate uh, later in the service. We'd love to call a few announcements to your attention today. We are excited to be hosting the Malawi Mission Conference in Dallas this year. This is a conference that occurs uh, regularly and we are privileged to be hosting it here in Dallas. Uh, there is an opportunity for you to participate in this conference. There's more information in your bulletin. Uh, Kathy Lee Cornell, our associate for mission, uh, has uh, more information as well and would be delighted to make it possible for you to attend. This is an educational and fellowship opportunity. If you have been curious about our mission partners in Malawi, this is a perfect opportunity for you to get to know them, to hear from them, to share uh, some good food and fellowship along the way. So please know that you are invited uh, to participate in that. Today, following worship, we have our first Hobbies in the Lobby. Hopefully you have read about this and heard about this. Your Board of Deacons is offering an opportunity for you to um, experience some of the handcrafts and the other types of artistic endeavors and hobbies of your fellow church members and community members. This is an opportunity for fellowship and fun, so please plan to come to the atrium after worship this morning to enjoy ways of connection across uh, generations and across interests and perhaps form groups following this time. My colleague, Reverend Sarah R., has a word of recognition as well. Good morning. I would like to invite up our uh, youth summer intern, Megan Wyora. It's hard to believe that 10 weeks ago I was introducing you all to Megan and celebrating that she would be with us for the summer, and now we are saying goodbye as she returns to college. Um, Megan chose to apply for this position because she loves this church and she loves the home that this youth program and that this congregation was for her, and she wanted to give back. And she has given back in so many helpful ways. She led a girls' Bible study. She traveled on all of our youth trips with me. She's been a countless help. So I would like to um, offer up a prayer of thanksgiving for Megan, if you would join me in prayer. Good and gracious God, today we are so grateful for the gift of this church and for the home that it can be for so many. 
And today we are so grateful for the countless people in this room that constantly give their time and energy back to you and back to this community. In particular, we lift up Megan in gratitude for all the ways in which she served our young people this summer. Be with her, be with them, be with us. In your name we gratefully pray. Amen.
Please join me in the call to worship. Storytelling God. We come to this place to hear stories of our faith. In our worship, bring the words of our ancestors alive and help us to stories of Storytelling God. We recognize your presence in the stories of our lives. In our worship, remind us that all of us are made. You hold our lives in your hands, and you weave us together in holy community. Storytelling God, you are still writing a story of love. In our worship, prepare us to be Confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. God of the tomb, it is in our nature to isolate ourselves when things don't go according to our plans. 
friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Yeah, yeah. 
the wise men. Yeah, there are tons of stories of brave people in scripture, and we're going to hear one of them today. We're going to hear a story today about a man named Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea. He was a totally ordinary dude. He did not have superpowers. He couldn't fly. He probably did not wear a red shiny cape with a golden S on it. But he was really brave at a time when Jesus really needed him. Esther also brave, yeah. So when Jesus was crucified, all of his friends abandoned him. They were afraid. And Joseph of Arimathea stuck around and helped him. And so I think we have a lesson we can learn from that in the sense that we might not be superheroes, we might not be the Flash, but we can still do some really brave things to help one another. good biblical name. So we can still do some things to help one another, and we can be brave like Joseph, and like Jesus, and like Esther, and like the wise men, like all of these people. Does that sound good? It's a challenge, but I think it's part of our call as people of faith. So will you all join me in a closing prayer together? Can we repeat after me? Loving God, help us to be brave like Joseph. So that we can spread your love. So that we can spread your love. And do what's right. And do what's right. Even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. Gratefully we pray. Gratefully we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, y'all, thanks for joining me up front. You may return to your seat. Friends, once again, please join me in prayer. Good and gracious God, one thing we ask is to live in the beauty of your word and to be transformed by its wisdom and its wonder. Send your spirit, O God, that we might see your presence all around us and live in the fullness of your presence today and every day. Through Christ our Lord we pray. So if uh, you're visiting with us this morning, or maybe you've been on vacation for a couple weeks this summer, a special word of welcome to you. And it's important to know that we're picking up in our, uh, the conversation we've been having all summer. We have called it our summer mixtape, which means we have taken 12 of the greatest stories in the Bible, greatest, 12 of the greatest stories of faith, six stories that we know really well, and six stories that maybe we have never heard of before in our lives, and we have blended them together into a sermon series. And this morning, we're going to turn to one of the greatest stories in the Bible. You had to know that this story was coming, the story of Jesus being crucified on the cross. How can you have a summer mixtape and not have the greatest song, the greatest story ever written included? But this, this morning, we're going to take a different look at this story that we all know so well. So listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that 
In this way, he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. These used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee, and there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, Joseph went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead and summoning the centurion. He asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth and taking down the body, wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb. The tomb had been hewn out of rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. For you hover in all places and in all times. And so we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would breathe new life into these ancient words, into this ancient story. That these words and this story, they speak to us afresh and anew this very day. And we ask, O oh God, that you would breathe new life into the words of my mouth. And then to the meditations of all of our hearts, that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if I gave you a three-hour window right now, three hours uh, that were totally uninterrupted and you could do anything you wanted to do in those three hours, how much do you think that you could accomplish? How much could you accomplish at work or in the city of Dallas or for your family? In three hours, you could drop the kids off at school. You could even have time to go to the grocery store, get a, a workout in, do meal prep for the week, and maybe even have time to get your car washed. For three hours, you could go to the symphony, you could uh, catch a movie, and I know some of you who can't play 18 holes in under four hours, you would find a way to squeeze in 18 holes in three. You know, I was on the phone with a church member this week, and uh, they reminded me that they build in nine-minute increments. I asked that they wouldn't bill me for the call that we were on. But I guess if I gave you a th 
three hours uninterrupted, you could bill 20 different clients in three hours. If I gave you three hours, you could read to three children at McShan, teach a class at Literacy Achieves. You could put in almost an entire morning on a Habitat build, couldn't you, Bill? For three hours, you could go to volleyball practice. You could post five Instagram stories, 55 Snapchats, and still have time to have lunch with your friends. What could you do with three hours? You see, buried in our gospel lesson today is one of the greatest stories of faith ever recorded in history. It's a story of faith about what a person of great political influence, a person of great power and wealth did in three hours, or what God did through them in three hours. Joseph of Arimathea is a little-known figure in the Bible. Honestly, we don't know much about him. Scholars have spent almost no time writing articles or in commentaries about Joseph of Arimathea. He's not mentioned anywhere else in all of Scripture other than the 120 words that are dedicated to him in this story. In fact, we know so little about him that scholars don't even know where Arimathea was. This is what we do know according to the Gospel accounts. Joseph of Arimathea shows up in the Gospel of Mark that we read this morning. But he also shows up in Matthew's Gospel and John's Gospel. We know that Joseph of Arimathea is a rich man. And he's a follower of Jesus. Apparently you can be both. We also know that Joseph is a member of the council. That, that is the Jewish Sanhedrin, which had power and influence in political, religious, and judicial matters. Uh, when I say Sanhedrin, think people who wear red pants or our state senator. The Sanhedrin was made up of 71 religious leaders in Jerusalem. The head of the Sanhedrin, the head of the council, was the chief priest Caiaphas. Caiaphas reported straight to Pilate. Pilate reported directly to Caesar. It was common for cities under Roman authority to have their own local councils to deal with legislative, judicial, and religious matters. The Sanhedrin's power was limited slightly in scope. For instance, they couldn't sentence anyone to death. They needed the Roman Empire to do that for them. For instance, I learned this this week. It was the Sanhedrin. It was this council that bribed Judas in Holy Week with those 30 pieces of silver so that Judas could hand over the body of Jesus to them. It was the Sanhedrin that held a mock trial, and it was the Sanhedrin that applied the political pressure to Pilate to take the body of Jesus and to execute him. The Sanhedrin group of power, connection, wealth, and influence, nothing stood in their way. Nothing was too big for the Sanhedrin, not even taking out the king of the Jews, or so they thought. It's important for us to understand how the Sanhedrin operated. 
Because it gives us a clue, it gives us a window into how Joseph of Arimathea operates in our passage this morning. Joseph of Arimathea is a member of the council. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, a wealthy, influential, powerful, connected person in Jerusalem. And he's the one who stands at the end of this story. None of Jesus' disciples are there. None of the, the male ones, anyway. They flee and go into hiding. It's Joseph who returns to get the body of Jesus. A rich man stands at the end of the gospel. A member of the Sanhedrin who leverages all that he has for the body of Christ. And it only took him three hours to get the body from the cross. Three hours to get that body ready for burial and out to the gravesite. How in the world? How in the world does he do it? It's not like Joseph of Arimathea could make a phone call. Not like he could send an email and say, hey, Pilate, I'm on my way. Um, accept my calendar invite. It's not like he could have sent for a car. More importantly, how in the world did he get the body? I mean, this is a body that Pilate wouldn't want to give up. Crucifixions were public executions. Meant to send a message. Crosses served as a billboard for the Roman Empire. This is what happens to you if you try to go against us, the Roman Empire. Bodies were left on crosses for days to rot. Here hangs the king of the Jews. There's no way in the world that Pilate would want to give that body away. Not during Passover, not in Jerusalem. It's like having a five-minute commercial spot uninterrupted on Super Bowl Sunday. How did Joseph get that body? I imagine Joseph did what rich people do. I imagine Joseph did what people of power and influence do. I imagine Joseph did what people who have connections do. I imagine that Joseph walks right into the Hall of Power, right into Pilate's Praetorium, and he requests a meeting. A poor peasant farmer couldn't have got this meeting, but Joseph could. Let's be clear, no one could get a meeting with Pilate unannounced, especially on a Friday afternoon. You can't find a dentist in Dallas on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> and let me just say this really quickly. There's, a, there's some dentists here. And I provide pastoral care to them on Friday afternoons on the golf course. <laughs> and so they would note that you couldn't find me in this building on a Friday afternoon. Friends, I can't prove this, but let me be clear. I think with just a little bit of imagination, Joseph of Arimathea walked into the praetorium and into Pontius Pilate's office, and he says to his assistant, Hey, Pat, I know that it's late, but I need to see Pontius. Is he free? 
And don't you know that Pat said something like this? Oh, Joe, you know for, for you, he has all the time in the world. Can I get you a cup of coffee or maybe a glass of water before you go in? No, thanks, Pat. I won't be here long enough to, to even have a, a, a full drink. Oh, then go right in. He's just in there checking his mail from the week. Joseph walks in and Pilate says, Hey, Joe, quite a spectacle today, wasn't it? Brings you all the way over here so late on a Friday afternoon. Everything okay with your family? The kids all right? Yeah, 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 everything's okay. Pontius? I'm actually here because I need a favor. I don't, I, I'm sorry to bother you. You need a favor? What's that? I, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I, need, I need the body. I need Jesus' body. You need the body? Why do you need the body? I mean, you had the body on Wednesday. You could have kept it. But you and the council that you're on, you told me to take care of him. You told me to kill him. You wanted me to send a message that this is what happens when people try to cross you guys. This is what happens to relig religious radicals. Joe, let that body stay up on the cross. Let the birds and the dogs come and pick off his flesh. Let him rot. Joe, let that body be a billboard to anyone who's thinking about challenging you guys again. Let me do what I do, man. Pontius, I know that's what we usually do, but it's different this time. I just, I just need, the, I, I need the body. What, what will it cost me? What do you mean, what will it cost you, Joe? Pontius, it cost us 30 pieces of silver the other night to get the, the body, and I'm, I need you to know I'm prepared to pay much more this afternoon for that body. What will it take? I mean, I know that you've run into some trouble getting that high-speed rail between Jerusalem and Jericho built, you know. <laughs> the one that'll get people to and from in six minutes. The one that you promise will help the economy. I know some guys I can help get that done. Or how about that new stadium that you want just west of town? I know some guys that could help us pave the way. We can even name it after you. How does Pontius Pilate Arena sound? <laughs> How about I help you get one of those done, and just for good measure, I'll, uh, I'll make a donation to your family foundation. Like I said, I need the body. Joe, I think we can work something out. I need you to answer this one question for me. Why? Why does this body matters so much to you. Why do you want this body in your fancy tomb? Why do you want to spend your money and your influence on this? Why? Well, because I belong to him. I'm one of his disciples, man. I got to have that body. You? You're one of his disciples. Well, isn't that interesting? I think I'll take the arena now that you mention it. And I know the foundation will be very excited to hear of your generous donation. And let me be really clear with you for a second, Joe. I didn't want this body to begin with. You guys got me into this mess. 
You take his body, but you just remember this. You better help us get that arena done, or it may slip out that you belong to him. Those are your words, not mine. I just imagine if that got out in the Jerusalem times, you might end up on the same cross he did. Oh, Joe, on your way out, could you pull the door shut? Give your family my best. I think Joseph of Arimathea cut a deal for the body. It's what the Sanhedrin and people of power do. Politics get played out differently behind closed doors than they do in front of the cameras. Joseph of Arimathea walks out of Pilate's office having just leveraged all of his power, all of his influence, and his wealth to cut a deal for the body of Christ. He leaves the office and John's gospel says that Joseph meets up with Nicodemus. You remember him? The rich man that shows up in the middle of the night to ask Jesus the question that's been keeping him up. How do I inherit eternal life? Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin along with Joseph. And they go out and those two powerful people buy a brand new linen cloth to wrap the body of Jesus in. And then they carry the body and they place it in that fancy, hand-hewn tomb. And they roll the stone in front of it. The body of Christ ends up in a rich man's tomb. And don't you know that Joseph had no idea? Don't you know that Joseph of Arimathea had no idea that his tomb would be used as a pit stop? That he paid good money for Jesus to merely spend half a night. Because God was going to give back the body back to the very world that killed him. Joseph of Arimathea leveraged all that he had in those three hours for the body. Every moment of his life, every position of power that he had held, prepared him. For that meeting with Pilate on a Friday afternoon, and Joseph knew what to do on Friday. He knew that his money belonged to him, but he knew that his heart belonged to Christ. Friends, I think there's a Joseph of Arimathea in every single one of us. And you may be visiting this morning for the very first time. You've come just to check this place out. And you think, oh, he's not talking to me. You might be a longtime member, and you may be thinking, oh, he's not talking to me. I'm not Jeff Bezos rich. Let me make it plain. Let me make it abundantly clear this morning. I'm talking to every single one of us, myself included, this morning. Because every one of us has agency. Every single one of us, no matter your age, has influence. Every one of us has power. Everyone has a particular expertise. And perhaps even some of us have a little bit of wealth. 
All of us have agency. The question is this, what are we willing to give? What are we willing to leverage for the body, for the body of Christ? My buddy uh, Steve said to me this week when I was talking to him, he said, Matthew, let me put it to you this way. Matthew, when you stand at the end of your story, when you stand at the end of the story, and your life belongs to Christ, all of it, everything you have, your social capital, your money, all of who you are, the power that you have to change the landscape of this city. Because there's doors that you can open that nobody else in that town can open. When you stand at the end of your story, what will you have given for the body? We have to ask that question. Question that faces all of us because all of us have agency. There are people who will give you an audience. They'll, they'll not give anybody else an audience. But people will listen to you because there's a Joseph of Arimathea in you, a person of strength that God will use for good to change this world, to change this city. When you stand at the end of your story, what will you have leveraged? What will you have given for the body? Friends, the good news of the gospel is also the invitation to faith. We believe in a God who calls us to participate with God in the very thing that God is doing. And there is no greater privilege in the world. So what would you do with three hours for the body of Christ? What are you willing to give for the body? I guess it depends on how much the body's worth to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. World without end. Amen. Having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise together in body and in spirit and say what it is that we believe. What do Christ's life, death, and resurrection mean for us? By his passion and death, and everything which he did and endured for our sake, by his coming in the flesh, our Lord reconciled all the faithful to the Heavenly Father, made expiation for sins, disarmed death, overcame damnation and hell, and by his resurrection from the dead, brought again and restored life and immortality. You may be seated. As we turn our attention to an offering of ourselves, we want to express our gratitude to all of you who have contributed to the McShann School Supply Drive over the last weeks. Thank you to all of you who are helping McShann teachers and students start off their school year strong with all the supplies that they need for the year ahead. This is but one way, one example that God uses our gifts and our ministries to change the world for the kingdom of God. Therefore, with joyful and grateful hearts, let us give of our tithes and our offerings. 
God of our lives, we are ever grateful for the ways that you enable us to live and to move and to have our being. We are grateful, too, for the ways that you equip us to be your hands and feet, to improve the lives and circumstances of others while enriching our own lives. So use these gifts to further your purposes. We humbly pray. Amen. Friends, you may be seated. You need to know that uh, we don't own this table. Uh, sure, we bought it because of your generous gifts. We even bought the, the beautiful containers that hold the body and blood of Christ, but we don't own this table. God owns this table. Christ is the host of this table. Our job is merely to invite you to come to this table. Our job's not to police it. Our job is to use every word that we have ever been taught to make sure that you know that you're welcomed here. That there's a, there's a seat around this table with your name right on the back of it. Jesus said it this way, all of you who are carrying heavy burdens, those of you who are weary, come and you'll find rest here. Jesus said it this way, come to me even you children, I got enough room for you. So come to this table, those of you who have doubts and concerns. Oh, there's plenty of room for those here. Come, all of you who haven't been to this table in a very, very long time, and you're not so sure you remember the way your seat is still waiting for you here. Come, all of you who come to this table all the time, whatever you do, whatever you do, Come, because you're invited. Come, because Christ has promised you and me and the whole world that Christ will meet you, will meet all of us, right here at this table. So friends, come. Come. Christ is waiting for you. Family of God, Prayer is one of the cornerstones of our faith. So as we prepare for this meal, we pray together. And first, I would like to lift up some joys and concerns. You'll find some listed on the back and the bottom of your bulletin, members of our congregation that we can remember in prayer. In addition to those, I would like to add a prayer for Cynthia Rollo on the death of her husband, Edward Bennett, this morning. I'd like to pray for Lauren Turner, her family and friends on the loss of her husband, Jim Turner. A memorial service will be held here in the sanctuary this Tuesday at 10.30 a.m. We lift up Rick Kearley on the death of his brother a week after the passing of his mother. We lift up Ken Perry, who was hospitalized at Presbyterian. And on a note of joy, we celebrate and lift up our children's department, which is having Super Happy Fun Week starting tomorrow, which is a day camp, an opportunity for our children and children from the Vickery Meadows community to learn together and play together. We have 72 kiddos showing up and 55 adults, so we celebrate that. Also, I want to remind you all that as part of our prayer practice, you are invited to sign the care letters, which are through these doors at the end of the service. May your signature be a prayer of comfort for those who need them. 
With that, let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. Great and mysterious God of creation, we do give you thanks for the wonders of life, the beauty of the world in which we live, and the depth and expanse of the universe of which we are only a small part. We thank you that you have not left us alone in this world. We are blessed with a community of others. We experience your presence in the love we share and in the mysterious ways beyond our abilities to comprehend or put into words. We are grateful for the covenants of grace you have always offered to your people. In ages past, you sent leaders and prophets to show us your way and guide our paths. When we failed, you did not reject us, for you are a God of second chances and even more. You are merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You accept our repentance and offer us forgiveness. And when the time was right, you sent Jesus among us to demonstrate your love in new and radical ways. As we gather around this table to share this meal, we remember the great extent of his selfless love and give you thanks and humility and awe. We are thankful for the pattern of living he set for us, and we pray that, nourished and sustained by this spiritual food, we will be ever faithful to the call of love and serve others in his name. And as we come to share the richness of your table, we cannot forget the rawness of the earth. We cannot take bread and forget those who are hungry. We cannot take this cup and forget those who are thirsty. We cannot hear your words of peace and forget the world at war. We cannot celebrate a family feast and forget our divisions. We cannot gather around this table and forget those who are suffering. So gracious and loving God, infuse this sanctuary with the presence of your spirit. Bring us into communion with Christ as we experience his presence in this sacred meal. May these ordinary elements of life, this bread and this cup, be transformed by your presence into the body and blood of Christ, nourishing us with spiritual food and equipping us to be the body of Christ in the world. Filled with your spirit, may we do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you, loving you with our entire beings and loving others as ourselves. God, these are the marks of your kingdom for which we pray now as Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debts. And lead us not into
On the night of his arrest, our Savior took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, his friends. And he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink it, all of you. For as often as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we proclaim Christ's saving death until he comes again in glory. Friends, these are the gifts of God. For the people of God, let us keep the feast.
As it is the one body and blood of Christ that unites us, let us partake of the cup as one. Family of God, I invite you to join me in the prayer in unison printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. <laughs> Loving God, we thank you that you have fed us in this sacrament. to be the church in the world. May God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in all our ways. Amen.